Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. If you find value in what we do and you'd like to support the podcast, go to coffee.com, that's K-O hyphen F-I.com forward slash alone, or you can go to alonewithinvisiblepeople.com forward slash support us to find out more. Thank you. Hi, I'm Rebecca Gallardo, the host of Alone in a Room with Invisible People. I am here today with author and teacher Holly Lyle, and the topic is Common Traps for Aspiring Writers. You can also consider that beginning writers or whatever, but yeah, that is that is also literally the question, <laughs> pretty much. Um, yeah. We are answering a question from the forums, and that is just, what are common traps for aspiring writers? Yeah. Um... So we have uh, seven of them, actually. (laughs) And we are probably going to want to talk a little bit about each one. The first one is, I think, the most common and one of the things that kills a lot of budding, aspiring writers right out of the gate. This is comparing your work to your favorite books. (laughs) Um, Realize that when they start, Everybody pretty much sucks. Now, there, there, there is the occasional Mozart of writing who, you know, rolled out of the womb playing the piano. And there are probably children who, at the age of two, are, are ripping out Shakespearean sonnets that are brilliant. But I've never met any, mm-hmm. and uh, I certainly wasn't one. And uh, I had to work to learn the skill. So you have to understand that coming right out of the gate, you're probably going to suck a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Becky knows this. We both had to learn the hard way, and you learn by doing it. And you learn by doing it and then evaluating your own work and understanding where you made mistakes and learning how to revise them and moving on and learning how to get better. It is a process that requires effort. But... If while you are doing this and while you are looking at your fledgling works and saying, wow, that really sucks, and knowing that you're probably right, it probably does, Mm -hmm. um, you are then looking at these magnificent works by people who have been writing for years and years and years and who have a mass of, of literature behind them that they have created, and you're not seeing the stuff they were so bad at they couldn't get published. It's it's really, really hard also to come to the realization of that, that, that I, because society has this bullshit line that you're either a writer or you're not, you have talent or you don't, fuck that. Yeah. No. Writing is a skill. Writing fiction is a skill. Learning how to plot, learning how to work with your muse and your inner critic. These are all skills. I I would like to add a little analogy to that. Yeah. That nobody ever tells a doctor, oh, you're so talented. Nobody ever expects Mm -hmm. a doctor to go into into the operating room without having done any educational process to get him there and uh, rewire somebody's kidneys or fix the brain or any of it. nobody ever thinks, oh my God, you're so talented, you should be a doctor. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's a skill, and it is appreciated as such. Well, guess what? Writing is also a skill. And yeah. just like being a doctor, you have to learn how to do it, or you're going to hurt yourself. There's somebody else. Remember that if, if you're looking at somebody and saying, why am I not, you know, as good as them, t- turn it around. Look at, I can be as good as as them one day. Or I what can I learn from this writer? Mm-hmm. What is it that I really love about this writer's work that I want to take in and put into my own voice or my own way of doing things? Yeah. And seriously, every, even voice is a freaking thing that you have to learn. So yes. just stop putting so much goddamn pressure on yourself. <laughs> yes. God. Yes, truly. Okay, so... The, the second one 
is almost as dev no no it is it is even more devastating than the first one so let's say that you actually stop comparing yourself to writers whose work you love and you start writing your own stuff and as you write it you read through it and you start changing things um now i'm not talking about in the immediate first draft where you are typing fresh and you catch yourself making a spelling error and you go back and fix that that's okay if, if the writing is hot, if you are still writing it in that moment, you can make some little changes. But do not go back through and the next day or the day after or the day after that say, you know what, I need to go back to chapter one and reread it and I'm going to change some things because I don't like my first sentence anymore and I think I might have the wrong idea and I'm going to revise stuff and I'm going to pull things out. And people who do this never get past chapter one or chapter two because they are always tinkering with an unfinished book. And that, that is a generalization. Oh, yeah. But it is a valid generalization because a lot of people waste so much time. I did that. Trying to get this shit perfect. And yeah. it is a symptom of being, you know, of, of having that perfectionism issue which you don't need for first draft. Yeah, I killed myself for ages on, on the flaw of the perfect first line, where I was absolutely certain that I could not write the story until I had the perfect first line. Fuck the perfect first line. You don't need that. You don't need, you need good. You need action. You need to bring people into your story. There, being brilliantly literary and gorgeous in your prose is something for revision if you want that. It is mm -hmm. not something for first draft when you are just laying down the pieces of the story and understanding what matters to your characters and understanding why anybody in the world should give a shit about this and want to read the story you're telling. And remember, we're not talking about the um, the geniuses, the, <laughs> the Mozarts, anything like that. So whenever we say stuff like this, we are talking about people that have to learn the skill Sorry, folks. Yeah. We are talking about people that have to learn the skill that that aren't the the rare zero 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 one percent. Right. You know, if, if everything you're you're writing is selling the first time you write it in in raw first draft, fine. You know, I, I envy you. I, well, I don't envy you, but uh, <laughs> I, I I do appreciate the fact that you can do this. But I had to learn this shit, and I had to work really hard at it. I will absolutely one hundred percent admit I envy that because. <laughs> That would be amazing, and but at the same time, I like the fact that I've had to earn everything. I like yeah. the fact that I've had to, you know, work yeah. as hard as I have just to get where I am, which is still not, you know, published under my name. <laughs> right, but you know what? I, I genuinely don't envy that, and the reason is simply that having paid the price to do this, I now have this badge of I went from being dreadful and unpublishable to being good and publishable and to making a career at it and <laughs> the only reason i envy it is because if that's working out if the first draft of everything that you write sells a you get to do this for a living assuming mm -hmm. that you don't take it for granted and b you get to write a lot <laughs> that's that's in my head yes but okay now imagine the second half of that scenario Let's say that one morning you write up, wake up and suddenly everything you're writing doesn't sell anymore. You can't sell any of your stuff to anybody, which happens to writers a lot. Yeah. And you are doing this out of this little magical chemical thing in your brain that you didn't have to earn. You don't know how the pieces of it come together. Yeah. You don't know how to change it to something else. And what you're doing no longer sells. Then what do you do? Yeah. Well, that's why I said I don't... I don't I actually like the fact that I had to earn everything because I know how to fix the issues mm -hmm. but I like the idea of being able to write more and being able to get paid oh yeah to do it <laughs> that's the part that I envy and <laughs> yeah that's yeah. pretty cool <laughs> but but if all of a sudden everybody surgeons discovered that surgery had become magic and only people with magic could do it <laughs> they'd be out of work and the same is true if if writing is magic to you if you ha understand the techniques and the science behind it. And you lose the magic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you lose the magic. Then it can be 
it can be terrifying because like people just start not liking what you're writing anymore and you don't know what you did originally that made them like it right then how do you fix it right writing as a science you can handle that because you can always learn new techniques you can always dissect and understand what it was you wrote and why it worked before or why it has fallen out of favor you can always adapt and come up with plans and move your fiction in a different direction which i have done multiple times in multiple genres yeah um yeah because it's not a mystery to me there is no magic to it there's a lot of fun but there is no magic yeah it's you've broken it down into a science Mm -hmm. you've been able to explain it to yourself and you know how to go through these things yeah okay the third problem is different forms of exciting and intoxicating procrastination (laughs) one of our favorite things delaying your writing for research world building outlining extensively um creating characters drawing maps writing songs god honest to god i have done this i have delayed writing fiction so that I could write a couple of songs that I wanted to do to get into the characters' heads. And um, I have to say, it did not help the fiction the least, tiniest little bit. I did manage to throw the lyrics in uh, to, I think it was Warpaint, but, uh, and I did a couple of little video things of the songs but it did not help with the fiction at all. The only thing that helped with the fiction was getting my butt in the chair and writing the fiction. Yeah, it, it doesn't help with getting the words on the page as far no. as the thing. But I know that my research helped the fiction a lot. But were you also working at the same time? Yeah. Or were you delaying the writing so that you could build No, maps? yeah, that's a good point. I was not delaying the writing. I was writing during certain certain times trying to get to a word count and then I did my research and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah or and I gave myself what was it like uh two weeks to do the research ahead of time so I have it on schedule so I'm not literally delaying my writing I'm actually planning it out so that's the next step that is a completely different thing that if you schedule shit in and I know for various projects I have to do world building so I schedule in a couple of days in which to do that world building Uh, I frequently will set aside a day a week or an hour of a week or whatever I think I'm going to need for this particular project to put together different pieces of upcoming scenes. But I am writing the story at the same time and I am creating the things that go into that story while not delaying the creation of it. They're, They're scheduled, I get them done on the schedule, I move back to the fiction. Yeah. So, yeah, but if you if you are on your 14th week of researching medieval history uh, for the book that you have not even started writing yet, stop. There is one person who does this differently, and I'm going to go ahead and say this is a one true way thing. You know, there is no one true way. Um, I believe it is the writer of, um, oh, I forgot the name it was very laugh love live live love laugh whatever yeah i don't know her name never read the book eat eat love pray or eat love pray maybe that was it yeah okay the other thing's a sign (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah eat love pray i i believe you guys can correct me if i'm wrong but i believe she researches for like a year or two and then she writes the book and then you know she is not concerned about volume she is not concerned Mm -hmm. about quantity of work um now holly and i are still concerned about quality and we still you know write on a regular basis and write tons and holly is you know obviously had has a proven track record of tons of quality books out um and trad pubbed and indie pubbed but I know that there are some people out there who genuinely work with a lot of research beforehand so that they can write and know. But a lot of people, most people, I believe, tend to use this as an excuse. Also because research and world building and character building is a familiar thing. And it's something that some people feel very, very good at. And that writing is a void 
that yeah. you know it's walking into that unknown well it's also safe that's what i'm saying is that the yeah. researching is safe it's safe yeah it's, it's what they know it's what they feel comfortable with or the world building they're really good or they really love doing it mm -hmm. but putting all of this stuff into a world and writing about it is the scary part for them right so that is that that tends to be what people most people use as the excuse oh i'm still doing research mm -hmm. and it is in fact an excuse and if you 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 can tell whether it's an excuse or not by how many works you have finished already using this process if you are on your third year of world building and you haven't written anything yet, yeah. assume that's a problem and assume you need to stop. If you routinely do uh, six months of research and then write the book, finish the book, and sell the book, um, then that's your process. Or even just revise the book to completion and it can't sell or it, it you decide that you don't want that one out and you restart the process. Right. That That is fair that that works for you mm -hmm. in, in as long as it feeds the work that you write and complete yes then you can count that as process at the point where you haven't written or completed everything but you have five beautiful worlds built uh it's it's time to really really revisit the excuses you're making and stop mm -hmm. doing that yeah and maybe maybe look into careers that that need world builders because maybe yeah. you don't want to write yes. maybe you just love creating these amazing worlds <laughs> i mean there are video game places there are movies that i mean the the hollywood industry there's plenty of places that would you know love worlds built you can work with a writer i knew a guy who did that he was a professor his name was sheridan simon and he advertised worlds built for uh in i think it was either analog or science fiction and fantasy magazines back in the day when they were in print you know they were print copies and everything i met yeah. him i was on a panel with him once he was awesome um but he built worlds and he he writers would write to him and contract with him to build a world for them that had the specific things that they needed to have in it and he would build them beautifully scientific brilliantly constructed worlds and and that's what he did so if you know seriously yeah if that's what you love there are people out there who will pay you to do something really good for them yeah yeah that 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 might be your thing is is you're still technically a writer you're just not writing the novel parts mm -hmm. you are you are a creator of worlds a creator of maybe um they just <laughs> having somebody else create fulton hills for me would strip away all the joy but i can see getting lost in research nothing but research and just creating fulton hills i can see that mm -hmm. draw and that danger of of just letting myself do all of this stuff yeah and, and then you'd have that world and it would be your world yeah but nobody but else then nobody else it. yes yeah. nobody would ever read it so um yeah if if world building is your thing but you don't like to write the actual novels or you don't really want to or you find yourself procrastinating a lot maybe that's an option for you advertise build a site uh come into the forums a lot of people think they should be writers <laughs> yes. for a number of different reasons and i don't want to talk anybody who loves this shit out of doing it because if you love it even if you suck at it you can get better yeah but if you if you sit down and it's a misery to write words for you really truly seriously look at why you think you want to do this mm -hmm. and then look at what you actually do with your time when you're having fun and see if you can figure out how to make some bucks at that yeah absolutely especially if if it's partly still writing and at least legal doing... yeah yeah legal <laughs> legal's good um okay so what's next okay so uh let's see that took us to three so four I'm asking non-writers to read your work. Mom, <laughs> would you please read my book? I read your book, Holly. It has witches in it. You should stop writing fiction. This was for my first published novel. Yeah, that sold. It sold, yeah, and won an award. and Yeah, yeah it sold to the first publisher uh, within a month of having sent, submitted it. And 
it has witches in it. You should stop writing. You're going to hell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't non-reader or um, non-writers reading your work, especially since this is aspiring authors that, that even, even the wrong writers reading Mm -hmm. your work that can be absolutely devastating because they can tell, oh man, this is awful. This is this is just, I don't know what's going on, blah, blah, blah. They can just tear you apart. And the thing is, they might be correct. Yeah, and they might be trying to help. It might genuinely be awful. It might be awful. Yeah. But a writer will look at that same thing and say, okay, well, here's what you did right. Writer who is not looking at you as, as you competition. know. Yeah, as somebody to yeah. squash or somebody to lift their own ego by by shitting on. Yeah, but that's, yeah. That, well, that's actually number five, though, so let's not jump too hard oh. on that yet. All right. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. So asking, asking friends and family to read your work, whether they like the genre or not, does not help you in any way because, A, they do not know what makes a good story. They mm-hmm. know what they like, and what they like is is frequently absolutely nothing related to the writing. It can be things, oh, I just I just love all of those. Um, well, okay, I'm reading the hell out of urban fantasy right now. So I just love all of those urban fantasy things with shifters. So if it doesn't have a shifter in it, I'm going to hate it. Yeah, and you don't, you, 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 as an aspiring writer, you don't always know the, the correct questions to ask. Right. You know, do you like... And then you have to get very specific, you know, yeah. and if they don't like one thing that you forgot, then they might hate the entire, like, they don't like strong, um, like, overly strong females, like Holly writes. Like, they yeah. are very, very strong female warriors. A lot of people, for some reason, have an issue with this. Yes. And if you are writing something and have a reader who loves everything else about the genre that you're writing in even all the little details but does not like the over they like the 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 more you know women who have to be saved yeah i don't want to make it an insult right no that was not intended as a, as an insult there are, are there is and an, there are massive genres in oh, which yeah. the female protagonist yeah. has to be saved yeah. and, and there is nothing wrong with that it's not what i write but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it i thought yeah. you were saying it as like an insult no but you have to understand that no matter what you write if if you have somebody who is not a writer and who does not do this himself or herself then what you are looking at is this brutal brutal mesh that you can't get through between Mm -hmm. someone who does not know how to do what you want to do and who does not understand that you have to learn pieces of it at a time. Yes. Who who is then looking at what you have written and saying, "Well, this isn't professional." No yeah, this shit. Isn't, this isn't good. This is this is awful. And, and like ninety nine point nine 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 times out of one hundred, that person is also going to have taken the the line hook, line, and sinker that you have to be born a writer. Writers yeah. are not made, which is bullshit oh right so that yeah oh god tell me about it yeah so, so they're that, gonna say you should not be a writer <laughs> yeah so that you you write your first thing and have never done anything else but you finish your first story which is awesome yeah, you get finished all the way to it, the man. ending yes and it isn't good but you finished it and that is the first step towards writing a bunch more of these uh, seriously more than 100 reje- rejections in a shoebox before i sold anything more than a hundred big shoebox, mm-hmm. and I stopped counting at a hundred, but I did not stop getting rejections. So, when you have a writer, okay. So now let's look at writers. Um, when you have a is writer, this number five. That's number five. Okay, so what yeah. is number five? Okay, number five is asking writers who think other writers are competition. Okay, yeah. To read so- your work. And sometimes it's not even competition. Sometimes it's just fucking ego. Yeah, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's just people who like to destroy other people. Yeah. And I have known people like these, and one of them we kicked out of our writers group back in the days of Schrodinger's Pet Shop because she was a bitch. (laughs) And she seriously, she just, her idea, she never 
brought forward what was good about somebody's work, she always only focused on, well, that's not good. This isn't good. This sucks. You shouldn't have written that. And, and anybody who tells you you shouldn't have written that really yeah. needs to be slapped in the face. But because that's probably something. We don't advocate violence. We, yes. I have to legally say we do not advocate violence. We do not. I was going to jump right in there with, but because that is not a legal thing to do. Yeah. Just um, mentally do it. Just mentally yeah. do it. Especially. Yeah. And the thing is, too, you can tell the difference because Holly even said, like, if you're there in person, because she said her eyes would light up. Like, mm -hmm. she would she would find joy in finding th all of these problems. And that when she spoke about it derogatorily, you could see her enjoying herself. Yes. And this was where she got her fun. She loved. Yeah. She was probably somebody who ripped the wings off of flies and lit <laughs> ants on fire with a magnifying glass, too. <laughs> that's that's going a little far i think probably but, not i remember her but so. yeah that's that's so you're looking at two different kinds of writers the ones who see other writers as competition or future competition because even though you're aspiring even though you're brand new they will still see you as competing they will still see and leah went through this with a particular author who is now uh, a bigger name and the the author kept pointing out everything in her stuff that was either wrong or was very negative about it or um, said, oh, you stole that idea from me. Oh, and it was fuck. Yeah, yeah. You stole that idea from me for one scene where they do a very, very common kind of battle position. Mm -hmm. And she, she, this is something that you have to wor worry about if you're looking at authors that automatically see other writers especially if you're writing in the same genre because if if you are somebody who wants help you're going to go to a writer in the same genre most likely mm -hmm. because hey i'm writing this you know this can you help me they, they might see you as no you know i'm <laughs> in in their head they're oh okay so this is somebody else who's going to steal sales from me which by the way is not how that works no that isn't that is not because you cannot write enough books in a year or a day or a month or a lifetime to keep your readers fully satisfied. You even just, John you, Atham. Even John Atham, who's doing, what, 8 to 12 books a year? Yeah. He can't, I mean, I, 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 I won't read one book a month. Right, <laughs> I read I, more than that. <laughs> yes, I guarantee that every single one of his readers is reading him and other people, too. Mm-hmm. But so writers are not your competition. Writers, especially writers who write in the same genre as you, are your people to feed to your readers as, hey, these are kind of like me, and I love their work personally, so read them while you're waiting for my next book because I can't write fast enough and I know you love to read. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine if every author did that? Could you freaking imagine if every author understood that readers want more books, not just more of of my stuff. If, if everybody yeah. shared, I mean, it would just be such a better environment. That would require writers to stop being uh, the egotist maniacs mm -hmm. that some of them are, where they think that they are the only good writer on the planet in their <laughs> genre, and that nobody else can compare to them, and that they have to crush everybody who isn't them. Or it, you can look at this differently. They have such insecurities about their writing that, that they are afraid that a new up-and-comer is going to steal all of their readers. And that's, yeah. again, not again. how it works. If you have loyal readers... They and like what you do. Yeah, and you're continuously writing the same stuff that they like, they're going to keep reading your stuff. Now, getting back to that, that thing, though, with the competition... Right. right. What you're looking for is someone who actually does this who is probably working at the same level you are so that you guys can read each other's work because I guarantee you it's a hell of a lot easier to see the mistakes your friend makes than it is to see your own. Yeah. And the same is true for the, your friend. But at the point where you see your friend making all of these mistakes and this little thing clicks in the back of your head and you go, oh my God, I do that too. All of a sudden, yeah. you have fixed a problem in your own writing. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, you might not even realize you do it, yeah. but you find it in your friend's work and your friend finds it in yours and you get together and you're like, oh my God, we do the same thing. Right. And again, I'm going to give you a free resource, hollylisle.com, holly, L-I-S-L-E.com. Lo- tons of free articles teaching you how, just everything. I mean, I need yeah. to get just a whole bunch of links up on the Airwhip page. Oh yeah. Well, I've got a thing up there on the Schrodinger's Pet Shop. It has the rules for doing a, crit- a critique. In the actual thing, it describes step-by-step step how to do a good crit on somebody else's work. And we've linked that before in the show notes. I'll link it again. Yeah, but link I'm it just again. saying, but if if you have a specific question or something, go go look on Holly's site because she has a lot of stuff in there. She's also got a free revision, just how to do a revision, a very, very light one. Mm-hmm. But that can help you in looking at somebody else's work and and critiquing your own work as well when you are critiquing someone else's work and when someone else is giving a critique to you on yours you start with what's good okay start with what's good it's essential it's critical because you have to demonstrate that you understand what they have done right sometimes it's going to be plotting sometimes it's going to be characterization sometimes it's going to be some pretty sentences but you have to find the good in it before you go on to the bad so that you can understand that even in beginner's work which can be pretty bloody awful you have something good yeah and that's really important it's not just pillowing you know softening the blow no if you're telling them this is good then they're more likely to listen to you when you tell them okay and this needs work then they'll right. be like oh i have something good in there and she saw it and and i thought that that was a good part too and now she sees something that isn't good okay i can work on that it's always hard to take critiques it's always hard and oh I'm, oh believe me <laughs> <laughs> i would get edit letters back from from uh edits on commercially published books and i would read them and then I would go get mad for about an hour, walking mm-hmm. back in the forth, back and forth in the house, and saying bad words. And and then I would calm the hell down, and sit there, and look at what you know what the thing actually said. Because the first thing you do is you get defensive. Mm-hmm. I wrote this. This is a product of my brain, and that's a big deal. And and so, always rule one: show them what's good first, and. If they are not doing this with you, then you're working with the wrong person. You need to have people tell you, okay, well, this is the stuff I liked, and this is the stuff I didn't like, and here are the specific fixable reasons why. And that's a big deal, too. Yeah, if you're doing this in person, by the way, I think this is mentioned in Schrodinger's Pet Shop, Mm -hmm. but just know that the initial reaction inside of you is going to be defensive, and don't let that come out. Don't speak about the defense. Don't, Don't defend your work. Just listen and mm-hmm. take what you hear you, with, you know, the knowledge that the person is trying to help. Yeah. And, and in the community, which is free, we have people who know how to do this and who are... Hollyswritingclasses.com. Yeah. And who will be willing to, you know, if you, if you are willing to do the work for them and read their stuff, they will be willing to do the work for you and read and create yours. Yeah. Uh, it, it is a consensual, mutual thing where everybody puts the work in. It's not where somebody's going to give you a uh, hundred free crits <laughs> and you don't have to do anything for them. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're willing to work, there are people who will help you with it. Okay. So then moving on to that. Okay. This is a biggie. This is at the point where you have finished the book. Finished it. It's done. In first draft, okay? There was a little bump, bump, bump right there. In first draft, okay? And you think the finished draft, the first draft is done, and it should be good, okay? (laughs) Yeah, no. No. Finished draft is where you are getting a lot of the good pieces of what is going to be the revised draft into place. But along with that, you, me, and everybody is making mistakes. And I hear this routinely from people. No, I don't need to go back through and rework my work. Or I don't even need to go back through and question it. Because what I do is perfect the first time I put it on the page. Um, That's got to be insanely rare. I mean, I know some people, they go through and they revise and, like, as they write and 
they think that it's perfect and maybe it sells and maybe it's popular but yeah that's that's got to be insanely rare for that to work now there might be some people who do it who don't actually you know mention oh well i only do one first draft and this is how i do it and it's you know and everything i do is perfect the first time out um there might be some people who actually just are that good in first draft. I think Mozart was pretty much doing that, you know, the, the first draft, write it just straight out of your brain. You can hear the whole thing in your head. And that is a different kind of thing. Yeah, we're talking about aspiring writers who need to learn. That's that's yeah. this entire episode is, is aspiring writers who are not, you know, just the the epitome of, of rare and you know, mm-hmm. what, what society thinks every writer should be. Right, right. That this, there's this magical thing in your brain that pours words onto the page and you don't have to work for it and it doesn't cost you anything. And it's just this, this form of channeled magic that, uh, you know, that, that requires no effort. Um, I don't know anybody like that. I never have. I have no comment on this on this part because I I don't know anybody like that. I don't know yeah. of any of any writers that um, only publish in first draft. As far as you know, the stuff that no. I read. So, um, what is the point of that, though? The point of that is once you have the whole story finished, mm-hmm. you've written all the way to the end. You put it aside for a while. It depends on how long the story is and on how much time you have and if you're working on a deadline or not, how long that rest period is. But you just walk away from it for a little while. And you go back into it with the proverbial open mind. You acknowledge that what you wrote probably wasn't perfect and you are looking for ways to make it better. Um, There are a lot of different processes for this. I actually have the free version of this on my hollylyle.com website. I'll link it in the show notes. Where you are looking for specific things, you are looking for ways to fix them, and they are fixable. And you can make every single thing you write better. And from every single mistake you find, you, you start learning how not to make that mistake again. So it is, revision is a self-teaching process. Writing the novel does not teach you how to write the novel. Revising the novel or the short story teaches you how to write the next one. All right, and then we only have one thing left, um, and that's number seven. And this is, there are a couple of different ways of looking at this, uh, but I'm just gonna put it out there first. Telling yourself you're going to write someday. Yeah. Mm. Um, (laughs) If you want to do it, you can make the time to do it now. Nobody ever finds time. We all have the same amount of time. Yeah, it's, it's that waiting for everything to be perfect in your life. It's that waiting for a lot of people are waiting for retirement. A lot of people are waiting until their kids get older and go to school. And then they find another reason. You know, oh, well, the, you know, the band practice or, or there's, there's this that I still have to do for my kids. Look for an excuse to do something rather than an excuse why you can't. Yeah, hey, an excuse to do something. Mm-hmm. They, my favorite show sucked the last three weeks in a row that would be a great excuse to not watch it this week and to actually get some writing done i mean you can just look at the amount of time that you spend holly you have a um it's writer writing discipline i believe that has you yeah how to find your writing discipline yeah how to find your writing discipline and again that's um I'll link it in the show notes. That one is not free. That one's on her in in her shop, but it goes through like how to make the time, how to create space in your life, and I mean we we have people in the forums who are doing the ten minute timer challenge and just go in there and just start with ten minutes. You don't have to don't look at it like Holly says. Oh, I'm gonna write one day well when when and and mm-hmm. also like holly says don't look at it like you're gonna write a book nobody like she says nobody in the history <laughs> of time has ever written a book they've written words that lead yeah. to sentences that lead to paragraphs that lead to scenes chapters and then a f- first draft so yeah just start with 10 minutes come in the 10 minute timer challenge join in 
don't compare yourself with people like Natasha, who is just <laughs> she is kicking. Yeah, ass. yeah. Well, she's on vacation now, but she made two hundred and eighty yeah. days in a row and several hours a day most days. Do not compare yourself with that person. Aspire maybe to be that person. Aspire to maybe someday have the time to do this kind of work. That can be a someday. Yeah, yeah. Someday I want to do that, but today I'm just going to write. 250 words or I'm just going to write for 10 minutes yeah or I am just going to build this tiny little piece of what I want to become my life and the other the opposite take on this is if you are making these excuses and you are doing the things that you like to do instead Mm -hmm. of writing and you don't like writing then don't write just cut yourself free it's a hard thing to let a dream go. It is. It is. But you have to look at the reason why that's your dream. And if you are, if you genuinely want to write, if you genuinely love writing, then make excuses to do it. You know, like maybe you read an hour less. Maybe you read 10 minutes less. Maybe you watch less shows, like one less show, one show that you could just give up. Like a friend of mine watches all of the football games, all of the red zone <laughs> stuff all of the everything sports related every single Mm -hmm. sport he watches every single team and then says he doesn't have time to draw it's like um you have your priorities right you know and you get to you get to be the person who defines those yeah and if you discover that this is genuinely not your dream Mm -hmm. you are not obligated to pursue it yeah you there is nobody who said you had to write a book yeah yeah, and if they did, you can tell them to shut up. <laughs> it's it's uh, often it's a bucket list item for people. I found yeah. that quite a bit, and mm-hmm. a lot of those people also think that it's the million dollar idea, the bestseller. If if you are somebody who is not like that, you genuinely want to write, then just start making time because I will tell you, like, someday is the killer of dreams. Yeah. Someday is saying that it's not going to ever get done basically yes whereas you can write a book at 10 minutes a day Mm -hmm. and you can find 10 minutes you can make 10 minutes yeah write while you're pooping bring your laptop in if you have it (laughs) i'm like i know it's it's funny but like seriously everybody poops take take your notebook and pen take your laptop take your tablet take your freaking cell phone whatever it is and take your poop time and write And that is, in fact, a genuinely workable idea. Yes. Kind of gross. Maybe you don't want, you know. To... Oh, that's definitely. That's not even kind of gross. That's totally gross. And don't everybody ever tell anybody how you wrote your book. Yeah. But if it's only poop, and you and you're thinking like that's my poop book, don't don't let don't let readers know you wrote it on no, the wrapper. No, 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 no. Don't do that. But okay. But that's that's it. That's that if this is a thing you genuinely truly believe in that you genuinely want that you already know you like to write that you enjoy the work don't say someday i'm going to do it start now because i'm (laughs) yesterday i was 15 years old and riding my bicycle up the hill from beaver street creek state park to my house and today i'm almost 60. yeah it was a blink it went so fast yeah and, you know, there's no knowing when this stops. You don't know that. All you know is that you have this minute right now. Yeah. And I think that if anybody has lost somebody that they loved um, or a friend, then take that realization that you had of, wow, this really is real. Because a lot of us don't. We don't, okay, so when we're kids, we don't understand death. And as we get older, we understand it, but we don't feel it. We, we don't really, especially when we're teenagers, most of us, now, unfortunately, some people do experience death and stuff when it oh, comes yeah. to teenagers. And, and I'm sure, yeah, you, you've seen a lot of, of stuff that, that, yeah, made it very clear. I was lucky, at least in my childhood in that era, um, in, in that phase of my life, that I did not experience the death of someone close. Um, so some of us don't really, we haven't internalized the reality of that. Once you lose somebody or once you wake up to the fact that time has flown by and 
yesterday you were a kid and today you're trying to adult, um, you start to really realize how precious time is um, and also how you're not guaranteed anything. When you lose somebody <laughs> you care about and they're just not there anymore and, and they were always there, you know, you realize that that person will never read your work. That person will never see where where you were mentioning them or bringing something in there that that was for them or about them. Yeah, and it's it's hard if you lose somebody that you always wanted to read your stuff or or it was just important to you. And it, it helps to, there has to be a, uh, they say there's a silver lining to everything. And I, I don't like that phrase. I do f find that you can find positives in your life, even in a negative situation. That is yeah. how I prefer to look at it. Because it's never good to me if someone you love dies. There, there are ways to find positive things in your life during that time. And one of those positive things can be that life is short you could get hit by a car tomorrow. You could have a brain aneurysm yeah. and just drop dead. And as downing as this is, it's meant to be more uplifting in the fashion of life is more important than a TV show. Creation is more important than watching, you know, a reality TV show or sitting there playing games on your phone or, or looking at Facebook. You can do those things, but if you find social media or television addictions are really driving what you do and you really really do want to write or video game addictions something like that just start paring it down a little at a time mm -hmm. a little at a time because they are true addictions they are built to be addictions they're built to keep you there <laughs> and if if you have to break yourself of it you don't have to do it cold turkey don't look at it like okay i need to go write for two hours look at it as mm -hmm. 10 minutes and then when you start to get really good stuff, just do it consistently because that builds momentum. And then you'll find yourself wanting to write more than watch this or wanting to write more than play this this game or whatever it is. Beautiful. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right. Well, that was the last one. So all we have left is the takeaway. Okay. I'm just going to remind you guys that you can follow us at AIARWIP on Twitter. You can follow us at Alone with Invisible People on Instagram. You can also follow Holly's Instagram. That's holly.lisle. It's not very common that she updates, but, you know, it's it's just a way to kind of, you know, connect with her as, as this person, this voice <laughs> so far that you hear. It's another way to kind of see her life and what's important to her. I, on the other hand, update usually a little bit too much. I um, also accidentally post... Uh, personal messages to my best friend Leah on public and that's hilarious yes everybody learned uh, the other day that I sometimes forget to flush <laughs> so that was fun and now a much wider audience knows that Ugh. yeah I'm okay with that though that that's why I wasn't so petrified and then I even posted a, another story saying yeah sorry guys <laughs> but you never know what's going to come out with me. So that's R-G-A-L-A-R-D-O, Argalardo. And yes, I said that on purpose. You never know what's going to come out with me. Um, yeah, and you can follow us at Alone in a Room with Invisible People on Facebook. You can follow us on our website at alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. Sign up for the mailing list if you want to be notified every time an episode drops. And then the best way to connect with us is hollyswritingclasses.com. Just get your free stuff, especially if you are an aspiring writer. Get that free stuff. So sign up, come into the podcast forum, introduce yourself, just start following other people, start looking at what they're doing, but also take that free flash fiction course. That's that's a great way to, to just start writing. Yeah, to learn know? how to tell a complete story in 500 words or fewer. And... Yeah. <sighs> And it's, it is. It's a three-week class, and by the time you're done, if you follow up on it, if you actually do the lessons and do the worksheets, you will have 11 stories completed in three weeks. And you can totally, totally do this. 
10 minutes at a time, 10 minutes a day, 10, you know, 30 minutes on one day what you have off or something like that. Lastly, I just want to say thank you to all the people that are on coffee that are supporting us. If you want to support us, go to alone with invisible people slash support us. And we've got a whole list of different ways how you can do that. If you are somebody who doesn't have any, you know, financial way to support somebody, but you do love the podcast and you want to support us, share, share the podcast, like the podcast, you know, uh, <laughs> rate and review those, those ratings, those reviews, those, uh, recommends on Facebook. Those mean a lot. Those actually really do help us. Oh yeah, they do. We, 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 we read and share all of them. <laughs> yes, I do. I share, I share them all with yeah. Holly. So it's, it's nice that, you know, it means a lot to us, but it also helps our ratings and it helps other writers find us. And that's what we want to do. We want to be able to help everybody we can. So Holly, what is the takeaway? Okay. The takeaway is simply this. You can do this, but, and it's a big, but you have to make it your priority. You have to be brave enough to write through the crummy stuff. And you have to realize that, yeah, when you get started, there's going to be some crummy stuff. And there might be a lot of it. There was, for me, seven years of it. So it's <laughs> there is an uphill climb. And if you want this, you can do this. Just hang in. Be persistent. Be brave. I love that. I just, <laughs> I do. Because, and... <laughs> If you're finding yourself flagging, go to the podcast forums, go to any of the forums that are free on hollyswritingclasses.com and just talk to people. Because sometimes it just needs, sometimes you just need somebody to say, I've been there, it sucks, I know what you're feeling, it's valid, keep at it. You just need the yeah. support. And a lot of you out there do not have the support, IRL, in real life, but you need it. <laughs> And you can find it at hollyswritingclasses.com, as long as you're not a dick. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have we do have a no dicks rule. Um, yeah, no politics, no religion, no dicks, basically. Yeah. That's it. No yep. flaming. Honest to God, best people on the internet. We got them. I know you hear her say it every single time, every single episode, <laughs> but there's a reason for it. They're fantastic. So I'm just going to say yeah. love you guys, um, love our, our roomies, and we want to have you guys <laughs> listen, you know, and, and then also come in and talk to us talk to talk to the people connect with the community and we'll see you next time i want to just say writing is a dream that can be made real and if you just go in and start to work it can be your dream made real <laughs>